This is Fringe Fertility, a podcast where we embrace and talk about all the weird and wild parts of the fertility world. I'm Carrie Hines, your host and fellow IVF warrior. My journey through fertility treatment led me to open a virtual yoga studio, Fertile Body Yoga, dedicated to those on their fertility journey who are looking for more. More mental, emotional support, more physical nourishment, and more soulful conversations. In this podcast, I will dive into the holistic, energetic, and alternative paths to increased fertility. I'll have guests with relatable stories. There will be tears, there will be laughs, and there will be honest and open conversations about fertility. Let's uncover and explore the new, old, and fringe fertility practices together. Hello, Fringe Fertility listeners. Thanks so much for being here and spending your time with me today. This episode is chock full of so many fertility gems. It's hard to know where to start with explaining what we covered. Um, So if your relationship with your body isn't perfect, then this episode is for you. So basically, it's for all of us. And I especially encourage those who have a relationship with disordered eating missed or irregular periods, pelvic floor dysfunction, or if you've been diagnosed with secondary infertility or unexplained infertility to please listen. But truly, if you're dealing with fertility in general and fertility treatment, you definitely would benefit from this episode. Today's guest has created a beautiful approach composed of many different techniques and personal experience and knowledge to address how we are in relationship with our bodies. Her goal is to inspire and empower active girls and women to come back home to their bodies and build resilience to do what they love. Today's guest, Emily Everton, is a holistic woman's health doctor of physical therapy and founder of Embody Physical Therapy and Wellness in Hopkinton, Massachusetts. Emily specializes in orthopedic and pelvic floor physical therapy and is especially passionate about all things menstrual health, fertility, and perinatal care. Emily is also a certified Mercier fertility specialist and incorporates Mercier therapy and deep pelvic organ mobilization technique into her practice to help women with a variety of conditions, including pelvic pain, endometriosis, and fertility challenges. In addition to her work as a PT, Emily is also a women's health coach, primarily supporting women with hypothalamic amenorrhea, missed periods, and irregular menstrual cycles. In her coaching, she helps women restore ovulation, get their period back, regulate their menstrual cycles, and assist with fertility. Emily's work was initially inspired by her own lived experience with disordered eating, orthorexia, red S, which is relative energy deficiency in sport, hypothalamic amenorrhea, infertility, and a poor relationship with her body. She is consistently inspired by the wonderful girls and women she is so fortunate to support on a daily basis. I loved having Emily on the show. She has a tremendous depth of knowledge around the body and how to cultivate healing in a holistic and transformative way. Her lived experiences inspire her work and you can really feel her passion through the airwaves. So I hope that you enjoy this episode and please to support the podcast, don't forget to follow us or leave some reviews or put some stars up there. All right, let's get started. 
So hi, everybody. Thanks for joining me today for this episode of Fringe Fertility. I'm excited to have my guest, Emily, with me today. So thanks for being on the show, Emily. So excited to be here. Thanks for having me, Carrie. Of course. Um, we have so much to talk about. We were just sort of like prepping for the show and I was like, we should just be recording this. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to hop right in because we got a lot to talk about. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and why you do what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to try to make this as concise as possible. Um, I love this question and kind of chatting about what got me to what I do, but um, I am a woman's health doctor of physical therapy. So um, I'm trained as a physical therapist by nature. And then I also do um, women's health coaching too, working with women primarily with irregular menstrual cycles um, and a condition called hypothalamic amenorrhea and helping them to restore their period because a lot of the women I work with have missing periods, um, restore ovulation and help them to get pregnant if that is a goal of theirs. So uh, a little bit on my background, what kind of got me into this work is I had my own history and um, have my own history of hypothalamic amenorrhea, relative energy deficiency in sport. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about that and what that is for any of the we listeners are. who aren't quite yes. familiar. We totally are. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And so um, to make a, a really long story really short, I went years and years without having a menstrual period. And I was sort of bounced around to different doctors and consistently was put on birth control to quote unquote regulate my um, cycles and hormones. But anytime I would come off birth control, my period was nowhere to be found. And so um, I ended up taking things into my own hand and really working on my recovery from a background of orthorexia, disordered eating, over exercising, and really repairing my relationship with my body. And um, I finally got my period back on my own after hearing from doctors and other people that it might never come back on its own or I would need, um, you know, fertility medications or reproductive um, assistive technology for my um, fertility and pregnancy journey down the line. And so now that really led me into becoming extremely passionate about helping women with similar stories and who may be experiencing infertility. Um, and so when I learned of all the ways I could help women from a pelvic floor and physical therapy standpoint, um, it just really opened a lot of doors for me. So I um, am the owner of my practice, Embody Physical Therapy and Wellness, where uh, my mission is to help women come back home to their bodies. And I'm now incorporating some fertility work from both a hands-on perspective and a menstrual cycle charting and coaching perspective too. So I, I'll stop there because I could go on and on. But <laughs> There's so much and you do so much more too. And we're going to talk about that as well. And I think I mean, since we're just on the topic right now, and this is going to lead into so many things, but like when we're talking about missed periods, right? And I have students who come to class who haven't had periods for months or years um, and then are in the fertility treatment world and the reproductive endocrinologists are like, okay, you know what? it doesn't matter. We're going to give you these drugs. We're going to force you to ovulate. We're going to force all these things in your body to happen so that you can get pregnant. Mm -hmm. And of course I'm not 
you know, dumping on IVF or anything because it is a wonderful and like great miracle machine. And I love it. But also, um, you know, just really coming from a very different perspective of like controlling it, trying to control everything, which I mm-hmm. often consider to be a very masculine, um, energy. <laughs> um, and then sort of like missing the underlying, like, why are you not getting period? And to me, it's like a no brainer. Like, shouldn't we figure that out first mm-hmm. before? Right. So what are some reasons that women would miss or menstruating humans would miss a period? Yeah. So you just brought up so many wonderful points there. Um, One word that stuck out to me that you mentioned was force and forcing something on the body and the masculine nature of controlling. And um, a lot of the work I do is to really help women under uncover this root cause, like what is truly going on rather than jumping to say fertility medications. Um, you know, in the context of the women that I work with, their period is missing and it's a beautiful thing that their body is giving this them the sign that something, you know, it's not being nourished in, in a way where it feels safe to menstruate and reproduce. So um, I always like to send this message that your body is not broken. It's actually protecting you and mm-hmm. it's trying to keep you safe. So, um, so hypothalamic amenorrhea, I'll start there because this is, um, something, this could be an underlying root cause of why periods are missing, but amenorrhea is just the absence of menstrual periods. And our hypothalamus is this area within our brain that plays a lot of roles, but it essentially works as a control center. It releases hormones. It responds to um, different hormonal fluctuations within the body as well. Um, so HA, I'm going to use the term HA, um, short change, hypothalamic amenorrhea, <laughs> but it's a condition characterized by missing periods and ovulation. So a woman isn't ovulating. And this is due to changes with the messaging from the hypothalamus um, down to all the way down to the pituitary and the ovaries. Um, so what's underscoring this is some form of stress. Oftentimes it comes from this place of low energy availability, which essentially means we're not eating enough for the amount of energy that we're expending. So we often see this interplay between under eating, over exercising, or psychological stress and stress coming from different areas, whether that's experienced trauma or um, whatever it may be. Um, stress is the underlying cause of this this mm-hmm. um, condition, HA. So HA is a reason that your periods could be missing. PCOS um, is another common condition that a lot of women hear about, and I would say that many women who have HA are diagnosed with PCOS, which is a yeah. whole nother conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or thyroid- this, um, skinny PCOS. Yes. Yes. Right. Oof, skinny PCOS. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we can talk about that too. <laughs> I know. Thyroid conditions can impact the regularity of your cycles. Um, you know, postpartum periods, or if we have a pituitary um, abnoma or something of that nature, that's going to secrete prolactin that can impact cycles. So there are a variety of conditions that can contribute to missing periods. And HA is really a diagnosis of exclusion. So we're typically going through the lab work to rule this in or out and a brain MRI to see if there are any lesions on the pituitary gland. Um, but yeah, those are some of the things that that can contribute to missing periods. Okay. Yeah. Cause definitely 
students, we talk about this often in class sometimes, or not in class, but before class when we're checking in. Um, and so what I'm hearing, like stress, stress that it, like the hormonal imbalance that stress causes, is that more like, can we be like, I know stress, but like with stress comes like hormonal fluctuations and changes. So like, it's not like just stress is making this. It's like the hormonal changes that yes. stress creates. Yeah. So, and I, yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. I think stress is like such a, um, an overarching term and we hear it all the time, but when, when we think of stress, we mean like physiological stress. And so over-exercising is a stress on the body. Under-eating is a stress on the body. It's nutritional form of stress. You know, there are other forms of nutritional stress. Um, staring at blue lights all day is a form of stress. There mm. are different areas of stress, loss of a loved one, and some more like traumatic forms of stress too, like psychological stress, um, mental, emotional stress. But it's really the physiological reaction and response of the body that causes this like hormonal um, cascade that can really contribute to the periods going missing. That's funny. I was just going to say cascade. It's a cascade of hormones. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. Well, this might be a good segue then into talking about nervous system because um, right when we're talking about stress and physiology and hormones, my brain automatically goes to the nervous system. But this idea that our bodies, even though we live in modern times, are still working from sort of a primitive um, space, meaning like we're still trying to protect our lives, even though the stress has changed. So when we're under a lot of stress, our bodies, the first thing sometimes that will go will be like reproduction, right? Because Mm -hmm. why would you want to reproduce when you're being chased by the tiger or just trying to survive or you're malnourished, you're not eating enough, like bringing a child into the world, right? Um, When you're not eating is, you know, not, (laughs) you know, it's like the body's protecting you um, from bringing a child in that may be malnourished as well or whatever, Mm -hmm. however we want to talk about it. So um, that's my evolutionary spin on it but then we're in modern times and we don't have to worry about tigers and we have all this stress coming at us different ways um so yeah what would you like to say about the nervous system so for those that may be skipping periods or missing periods or have a you know relationship with stress as we all do Mm -hmm. (laughs) what what would you say Oh boy. I mean, there's so many things we could talk about in terms of the nervous system, but I love that you brought up how we're just, we're primal beings and this, this, um, concept of protection. Cause I think that's what we all, and especially women who are on their fertility journey, it's like coming back and recognizing the ways in which our body are, is always trying to protect us. I share this with women I work with Mm. literally all the time, whether they're coming to me for pelvic pain or infertility, or back pain, or an orthopedic injury. Yeah. Um, and that is a huge, sorry, that's just a, such a huge mindset shift to take mm-hmm. from being like, yes. body, I hate you for not doing what you're supposed to do to like, body, okay, thank you for giving me these signals. Let's figure it out, right? It's yes. huge. So if you're listening, think about it. But yeah, like, okay, thank you for bringing that up because you brought it up twice now. And I was like, well, I need to speak to this because <laughs> it is such a huge 
mindset shift that if we took during infertility or fertility or whatever is going on with the body, that the signals that you're getting are actually like, I don't want to say a blessing, but like a, hey, your body's loving you and telling you this needs attention. So it's like curiosity and trying to figure it out. Curiosity is such a great word for it. I think, you know, when I'm working with women, I'm always trying to bring in this, um, this like awareness and appreciation and how can we kind of reframe the way that we are looking at our body and the cues that our body is giving us. So if we even think of, um, so let's say back pain or, um, pelvic pain, oftentimes, you know, muscles might get super tight. And we think of this notion of like, um, my psoas or my hip flexor is so tight and that's why my back hurts. But, um, and then we're like, okay, well, we need to stretch this tight muscle because it's tight. But what if we kind of flip the switch and think, you know, that muscle might be getting tight as a nervous system response to pain. And it's trying to protect you from something, you know, whether that's we're lacking core stability and strength so our psoas is trying to like kick in you know our body compensates and that's a really like nervous system driven response um so I just like think the nervous system is so fascinating and it's so amazing and such a positive reframe to think like my body's really trying to to keep me safe and protect me and I think when we look at it in that light um, we can change the narrative and, you know, flip the script, change the story too, because it's hard not to become, um, to fall into a victim mindset. And I say that with so much like love and compassion, I've been there, but I've, I felt like my body was working against me and not for me. And, um, the stories we tell ourselves also become our truths too. And that comes into the nervous system, the things, you know, the thoughts that go through our heads, the things we say out loud, the the actions we take, it's all connected. Um, so when it comes to nervous system work in my practice, so it is so important as a pelvic floor PT and just, you know, I think of physical therapists in general, when we're working with the body to bring in this concept of the nervous system, um, a, concept that I bring up frequently with the woman I work with is just talking about the vagus nerve. And so as this nerve, there's two on each side and it courses down the brain, through the neck, down through our chest, through our diaphragm, down through our abdominal contents, digestive tract. Um, and there's branches that go into the pelvic floor as well. So the vagus nerve is responsible or, you know, part of its role, it helps us to to branch into this parasympathetic nervous system state, which we commonly associate with rest, digest, feed, feed, breed, procreate. Uh, But a lot of us are living in this sympathetic state where we're in fight or flight mode. And um, if we talk about like the polyvagal theory, you know, if we live in fight or flight mode for too long, we can then go into this like dorsal vagal state where it's kind of like this immobilized like exhaustion state. Mm-hmm. But there are ways from a physical standpoint that we can actually work on that vagal toning and stimulate the vagus nerve to help downregulate the system, um, release tension in the body and, you know, really help to manage stress and things like that include the infamous deep breathing. So there are different breathing techniques, but we can do deep breathing strategies Humming is wonderful because we get that nice vibration through the throat and the neck. And we can do things like tapping, tapping certain areas of our body um, and just like stimulating different areas of our body. We can move our body, dance, shake. Um, 
Yeah, there's so many ways, but mm. yeah, polyvagal sh- th- like vagal theory like that could we could do a whole like twenty part episode probably mm-hmm. on it. Um, For sure. But yes, I love that's a nice sort of short and concise way to speak about the vagus nerve because I I sometimes allude to it um, mm-hmm. in class as well. So. Um, yeah. Okay. So we've done vagus nerve. We've done nervous system. Whew, so many things. Okay. So let's talk about, so you do pelvic floor PT as well. And mm-hmm. I often recommend to students to go to pelvic floor PT who are struggling with infertility or doing fertility treatment or anything like that. I feel pretty strongly about this. I do pelvic floor like breath work and so on just Mm -hmm. our class or at least awareness like because I think people don't pay attention to their pelvic floor until they really have to like in the Mm -hmm. postpartum periods especially or when um or if there's a lot of pain or you know signals from the body saying hey pay attention to me down here right so um and I kind of come to it from a energetic standpoint as mm-hmm. well, not just the physical part. I'll let you speak to that. But f- for me as a yoga teacher, and I, I do love talking about energy and um, different places in the body where energy is kept. But when we're talking about energy, the, the area of the pelvic floor, right at the base of the tailbone on all that connective tissue um, that is there and the muscles, uh, this is all part of the root um, mm-hmm. the root chakra or root energy center, which is also the home of fear and safety, mm-hmm. security, um, feeling supported and held, right? Like all the earthy sort of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we talk about doing fertility treatment and fertility in general, like you cannot take the pelvic floor ever out of the equation. Like it is always there. And then there's so much uncertainty, there's fear, there's anxiety, there's instability. Mm -hmm. Um, So like, when I think about like, what's one place we can always start working, no matter what, it's like the pelvic floor. Like if you're trying to conceive, breathe, find your pelvic floor, see what's going on down there, like hypertonic, like super tight or like super lax. Um, but anyway, I'll let you talk about to the, the physical yeah. side. Of it. Absolutely. I mean, I, one, I love that you um consider like take into account the pelvic floor and how much of a role that plays because it just really, it really should be part of the conversation when we're speaking of fertility. Um, yeah. And in terms of the energetics, I love that the perspective you come from with that because, you know, energetics isn't necessarily my, um, my wheelhouse, but I have done energy work myself mm-hmm. and it is so eye-opening to me. And I really think that it's like so, so, so important. Um, when we're speaking of like pelvic floor health, fertility and just like really um, you know, the nervous system in general. But mm-hmm. so yeah, the pelvic floor, I, I'm gonna go back to the point that you brought up about fear and um, security and some of the things that you mentioned. And I think, you know, this concept I like to always bring up is that 
we as human beings, everything is connected. So, you know, we have fascia, which is this connective tissue that kind of connects, you know, different muscle organs, vessels throughout our bodies. And we actually have this fascia line that starts all the way up from like our tongue and our jaw region, courses down through our abdominal wall, pelvic floor, in our thighs, down to the foot. And when we think of this um, connection, we... So I, we start to put some things together. So for me, what I often um, speak about is the pelvic floor can be an area where a lot of individuals hold stress and um, tension. And mm-hmm. so if we think of this example of, you know, you're having a long work day, stress is rising. What what typically happens with your shoulders? Well, they might start to creep up towards your ears. Your upper traps start to get tight. You might notice you're clenching your jaw, but oftentimes we don't bring awareness to our pelvic floor or our thighs. And for a lot of individuals, stress is also held in the pelvic floor region. So if we think mm-hmm. of that kind of fascial connection Um, I would say eight to nine times out of 10 of the women I work with who are coming to me for pelvic floor concerns and signs of tension, they also have TMJ, so jaw Mm. pain and um, dysfunction there too. And it's really like, it's just really fascinating to look at it from the sense of everything is connected and where we hold tension, um, that pelvic floor is often at the root, just like you were talking about the root chakra, um, can be at the root of a lot of tension, which can contribute to pain. Um, it can contribute to like a tense muscle. Sometimes we're not getting good blood flow to that Mm -hmm. area. We know with fertility, blood flow, tissue oxygenation is super important. We also know that the pelvic floor is an area of receiving. So for sexual health, you know, to be able to um, really relax and engage in sexual intimacy, which is a huge part of the fertility um, journey and conception journey. So um, when it comes to the work that I do with women, a lot of the times we are addressing the pelvic floor directly through some hands-on work, um, whether that's like release work or working on coordination of those muscles. Uh, and then some of the downregulation techniques with the vagus nerve and the nervous system and other things. But uh, I also address the actual pelvic, visceral, like pelvic reproductive organs too, Mm -hmm. from an abdominal wall standpoint. And I'm sure we'll talk about that too. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to, we'll talk about that next. Um, okay. So I just had a couple thoughts. So I'm just going to do a little story here because yeah, I think it speaks to your talking about how the, the jaw and the, like just how everything's connected and mm-hmm. how this, this system is connected. So I recently got my tongue tie release. Did I tell you this story? Oh no, but okay, so I already, you know, yeah. You know where I'm going? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I've, you know, post like pre-pregnancy, I was absolutely hypertonic, didn't pay attention to my pelvic floor, blah, blah, blah. I had two kids. And then I was like, what is happening down there? So I started like paying attention and going to a pelvic floor PT and so on. Hypertonic, post postpartum, I have hypertonic, like had to do a lot of release work before I could re-strengthen. Mm-hmm. I can't say it's perfect yet, but I'm still working on it. Um, and it's a journey, but so like, I'm a, like a hypertonic, like, you know, tight mm-hmm. and like tight and like, even like the word strong pelvic floor. Right. Yeah. I don't like to use that because it's, we want to 
supple pelvic floor. We want mm-hmm. something that moves and shifts with breath and movement and like supports, yes. but is like bouncy. I think like bouncy house kind of pelvic floor. Yeah. Um, but when I got my tongue tie released, so for those of you who don't know, like that little flap of skin in your tongue. So I was tongue tied my whole life and I didn't know it. So I, I went in and the, the doctor said, okay, so some things that might happen. Okay. Some things that might happen, people feel. So a lot of people start to cry when they, because it's like you're holding on to this tension mm-hmm. in your tongue and the, like the palate of your mouth um, that, you know, like a lot of people will just cry from the relief of like that tension release. Um, and then the other thing he said, he'd like pay attention to what happens in your pelvic floor kind of just I was like oh my gosh that's so interesting I'm totally going to do that yes <laughs> and I did have this like like it was like a being able to better connect to it like feeling more the mm. movement so like whether it was yeah. like moving up and down a little bit more because I had more you know the fascial tissue whatever was like looser through my mouth and my jaw Um, But I always found that really interesting because it didn't even cross my mind when I was going under with all the Mm -hmm. nitrous that this. I'm sure you had many other things on your mind other than your lots of others. Um, So anyway, I just I when you were talking about that, I was like, oh, I should tell that story. A good a good anecdote and story though, because you know I always say too that like connection and hearing other stories is so important for other women and that's like such a great example of how everything is connected um you know and I'm actually working with a woman right now who also is doing her prep work to do a tongue tie release and she has a slew of myofascial symptoms all through her back abdominal region hips pelvic floor and Mm -hmm. we're really um I'm really like excited to see you know how she responds after the tongue tie release too because this is a little bit um you know I always like when I'm, when I'm working with someone, I'm like, yes, we have the research, but N equals one. So like, what are we going to learn from your body? And like, how are you going to respond to this? So that's so interesting. And it just all comes back to this notion that everything's connected. Um, another one is plantar fasciitis or plantar fasciopathy and, Mm -hmm. you know, tension through the plantar fascia, you know, we might see that in conjunction with some pelvic floor tension too. Um, but going back to your point too, on the like strong and, um, like tight, intense Mm -hmm. hypertonic pelvic floor. Um, I love the word supple that you used because that's just such a great word. We want the muscles to be able to lengthen and contract through their full range of motion. So what I'll hear often is like, is this blanket or umbrella recommendation of Kegels? Everyone needs Uh, to do Kegels and uh, do more contractions. (laughs) No. (laughs) But if we think of like, you know, if we think of this really tight, tense muscle so if we think of really flexing our biceps super tight um it only has so much range more range of motion to go through if we just keep contracting that it's just going to be tighter tighter but we're not actually contracting and lengthening through the full range of motion so mm-hmm. um we can have very tight and weak muscles too yes. and I think that's why it's really important to get this assessed as well so that you know what your unique presentation is and what could be beneficial for you yeah, because I taught prenatal and postnatal yoga for years and years and years alongside with the fertility yoga when I was in Boston. And, you know, after 
a little while, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do pelvic floor work necessarily in class anymore because I don't know, especially at postpartum. Yeah. I'm like, so the first thing I would always do if anybody mentions is like, you know, I'm peeing my pants a little bit or like I have pelvic pain or something just feels wrong down there or prolapse or anything like go to pelvic floor PT. Like mm-hmm. I am not like I can bring awareness to the pelvic floor and like guide some breathing, but I'm not the professional when it comes to pelvic floor. Right. So go see but- a pelvic floor PT so you know where you're starting from. Cause if you're hypertonic postpartum, you know, that's going to be very different than somebody who is hypotonic and needs like, is just, there's no responsiveness at all. Exactly. Um, And you took the words out of my mouth again. I was going to say, Carrie, you have like a great, great um, opportunity and, you know, experience to just help women become aware of their like root chakra in their pelvic floor region, which I think is like sometimes the, you know, where we start is just actually bringing awareness to that, to that space. Mm -hmm. I think there's something to be said if we're bringing it back to like fertility too, even just like neglect and lack of awareness and shame and guilt that can be stored within the pelvic floor there is absolutely something to be said about that and connection mm-hmm. to infertility or challenges getting pregnant because if we if we neglect this area and we we hold a lot of shame and guilt that's like that's stored in the body and that can show up in different ways so yeah yeah and i always think well, let's get your opinion on this. Mm-hmm. So I brought this up once. I wrote, a, I think, an email years ago, a couple of years ago, because I was doing a workshop on pelvic floor and fertility mm-hmm. with a pelvic floor person, not me doing the pelvic floor part. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, like egg retrievals. Yep. So when I, my first egg retrieval, second, second egg retrieval, So the first one was fine. I didn't feel a ton of pain or whatever. Like I felt like I could walk and move and sit. The second one, I swear to you, like I could not sit down. Like my whole pelvic floor was like in spasm. Mm -hmm. Like it was like Mm -hmm. so like mm, so tight. Like I couldn't sit down on the toilet. I couldn't release to pee. I couldn't release to poop. Like it was intense. And, you know, years later, I was like, oh my gosh, this makes so much more sense now. Cause when you look at the, you know, you go to the doctor and they show you the little picture of the uterus and the fallopian tubes and the ovaries, and it looks like they're floating in space. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we're just going to go up here. We're going to puncture the side of this and then go or whatever. And yeah. you forget that they're going through the pelvic floor and yeah. like going through the fascial layer of the pelvic floor that's holding everything in place. So like, um, my, like when I actually put it all together, my mind was blown. I was like, why do we, no one talks about that? Yes. Except me, I think. (laughs) And they're like, oh, take some Tylenol. You might, you know, feel me afterwards, but no one ever said, well, Hey, some pelvic floor therapy or like deep breathing. Yeah. What about some gen like deep breathing? Oh my goodness. I'm sorry you had that experience. Um, I really, really, I really always say this, you know, all doctors and providers do the best with the knowledge they have, but I think Mm -hmm. it would just be so wonderful if we could bring 
this like education in and prepare women better, especially when going through um, IVF and, you know, different procedures that are really, really hard to go through. I think there should be better education on how we can support our bodies during this process. But mm. you're absolutely right. I mean, I think there's even something to be said for uh, during your agrotuberal experience, the pelvic floor is kind of tensing up to protect like what just happened. And like I was, you know, this just happened to me. Mm. And, you know, some women are more predisposed to hold tension in the pelvic floor. So um, okay. yeah, that's a great example of like a situation where pelvic floor PT could be really supportive. And the more I learn, the more women I work with, I truly feel that having a pelvic floor PT who is like specialized and trained in the fertility realm um, should be a part of your team when you're going through mm -hmm. fertility treatment. Cause there's so much we can do. And, um, and like just so many ways we can support women on this journey that it's really, really um, life-changing and makes a difference. Mm -hmm. I think that you, when you're talking about, you see the image of the uterus and the fallopian tubes and the ovaries, and it looks like they're just kind of floating in space. Um, such a great like segue too, to talk about mobility and uterine mobility and ovarian where I was mobility. gonna go that's <laughs> yes. where I was gonna go next I think I was gonna throw something else energetically in there about just going under general anesthesia as well for egg retrievals mm -hmm. being like mm -hmm. your body going into protective mode because it's completely unconscious yes. anyway that's a whole other thing um okay so yes let's talk about mobility of basically the organs right what we want to talk about the mercier therapy that you are doing recently became certified to offer which is amazing um so like deep abdominal massage like mm -hmm. i'm you're gonna explain it better so i'll let you do it <laughs> yeah so mercier therapy is a form of deep pelvic organ visceral manipulation. So we are accessing, in theory, the uterus, the ovaries, our deep pelvic organs by way of mobilizing through the abdominal wall. So it's not an um, intravaginal, it's an internal mobilization technique, but it's essentially a protocol like program that um, is focused on bringing blood flow and oxygenation and mobility to our reproductive organs. Um, and I think it's just, you know, when I learned about this and when I, when I kind of applied this concept, um, it just made so much sense to me. Like, I think if we think of say post-operatively or not even post-operatively, but shoulder pain, say we have shoulder pain and we get surgery for that pain because, you know, say there's a labral tear or a rotator cuff tear after that surgery, just through opening up the tissue and, and accessing in, we're exposing mm -hmm. those tissues to oxygen, oxidized tissue, scar tissue is part of the healing process there. So scar tissue forms. If we don't mobilize that shoulder, it's going to get really stiff. So this can actually happen in other body regions and to our viscera or our organs. Um, so mm -hmm. this can happen to the ovaries and the uterus. And um, we really want these organs to be moving and have this good fluidity and have good blood flow to them. So this is kind of this um, thought process behind the Mercier therapy and the 
um, this, this work and how it can work with fertility clients as well. It's very interesting. Yeah, I was just, what popped into my mind was I do have students that are going through secondary infertility mm-hmm. with, um, you know, their first child or children possibly being born through C-section. Mm-hmm. And I, I often think about the scar tissue <laughs> and like what's going on. I think about the pelvic floor too, of course. Um, but yeah, so who, who are good con- candidates for the Mercier therapy? Like I, it's like, a, is it like six sessions kind of like, it's a, like, it's a fairly set technique yeah. more like you can go off course and do more or do less than six sessions. So the technique itself can be applied to a variety of conditions. So using Mercier therapy on um, this deep pelvic organ mobilization technique can be really effective for women who have pelvic pain, um, urinary incontinence, urgency, frequency, endometriosis-related pain, Mm -hmm. um, PCOS, any inflammatory um, conditions, so pelvic inflammatory disease. Um, can be used postpartum, not even in the realm of fertility. But like you just said, after a cesarean section, we know that there's scar tissue that builds up. This can impact the mobility of um, the uterus and our reproductive organs and just the, the tissues underneath that scar. So the application of Mercier therapy can be applied to a variety of conditions and presentations. Um, I use it with, so I have a patient right now who is three years after a total hysterectomy, who is having a lot of pain and symptoms. So we're doing some of this deep visceral work for her. um, And I use it in other contexts as well. But when it comes to the fertility um, aspect, there's actually the shared journey fertility program. And this is a little bit more structured in the sense of it's that six one hour sessions. And typically it'll be six weeks, six consecutive weeks. Um, and we're applying the Mercier therapy protocol. Um, we're also, you know, talking about much more than this. So like lifestyle factors, really giving time and space to chat through the journey. But when it comes to the hands-on work, it's six hours total of treatment. And yeah, it's it's kind of following this protocol and spending extra time and attention towards the things that we're finding on the assessment too. Okay. Um, and then- Oh, sorry. I would, I know you asked like who would benefit from this type of fertility work. And I would say, um, you know, again, it's pretty expansive to who it can help, but certainly as you mentioned, like secondary infertility after, um, perhaps your first, your first delivery was through C-section. If you have a history of abdominal surgeries, um, vaginal surgeries, even if it's laparoscopic, that's still going to create some scar tissue, Um, If you have a history of endometriosis or PCOS or any other inflammatory condition too, um, we don't need to go down the realm of like digestive issues and like GI stuff, but that that can be really inflammatory and also be something that could really benefit from this type of work. Um, But I hope that answers the question there, you know, and I don't think it's not just just applicable to women who have a history of surgeries it's really more expansive than that too yeah or and I'm just going to throw this out there because I thought about this so something that I have noticed working with women mostly Mm -hmm. is that we 
because of society and all these expectations that are put on us, like that we are constantly sucking in our bellies, our lower mm -hmm. stomachs, our bellies to look thinner, to like, you know, like, I don't want to, I don't, you know, whatever, like get my jeans on, put on those tight jeans and like cut off the circulation to your pelvis with your tight jeans. Um, <clears throat> but I was just thinking about that because often when I, we do breathing work and I'm like, like a, sometimes people can't breathe down because they're so right. tense trying to hold their, their bellies in because yeah. they don't want, they want to look slim and that, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying I'm not one of those. Like I, that's why I know about it is because I was noticing it in myself yeah. And I was like, no, let that shit go, right? Let you it go. just took the words I was going to say. <laughs> and to that, I say, let it go. I talk about this a lot. Yeah, that like corsetting and sucking the belly in. It's not doing your body any good. We need to and let it go. Jeans. Yeah, no. Um, it's something that really has to be reprogrammed too. So like you were saying, you have, you have experienced this as have I, and e even myself being a professional in the space of helping women with this, there's a whole like motor patterning that we need to like rewire the brain muscle connection. It's not as simple as saying, let it go and be done with it. You know, we yeah. need to also think of like, how are we connecting to our core and how are we activating our core and what does that feel like? And so it's definitely um, multi-layered there. And I would say even some women benefit just from massage work through the abdominal region mm -hmm. just to help them connect to that space. Because sometimes, you know, especially in postpartum women, I see it all the time, they can maybe activate their upper abdominals, but then between like the pubic bone and belly button, it just is like turned mm -hmm. off. Um, like they, they report feeling turned off can't like feel it can't feel like they can can connect to their core and sometimes we'll do some hands-on work through that region and I'll have them do hands-on work mm -hmm. because that's also a form of exposure therapy and connection for themselves and that can help them mm -hmm. be able to tune into that space so um yeah the the hands-on can be good for that too but let it go. Sucking in, trying to be like our, our thinnest self is not serving us in any ways. No. Or the tight jeans. As I always. Or the tight jeans. I, no. It's like, cause I don't wear jeans very often anymore, but I used to wear them a lot. And I, and I was like, if men had to wear jeans this tight all the time, like absolutely wearing jeans like I'm like, why do men get like baggy, comfortable jeans? And we have to wear these tight form-fitting squish your body into things like yeah. yeah and I mean anyway. it's not good for blood flow not good for lymph flow like it's just not good um for anything no. uh, <laughs> the other thing I want to mention too that I totally breezed over with the Mercier therapy is like duh should have mentioned this it's extremely helpful um in this hands-on where it can be extremely helpful through stim cycles and IVF and um medicated cycle as well medicated cycles as well for women too so, so you I would, did want to mention that you would do Mercier with when someone's on stims in con so not when they are stimming okay no, I was but gonna say surrounding. Okay. Uh -uh, no okay no but okay. <laughs> it can be <laughs> prior to a sim cycle so helping kind of set the foundation bring blood flow to the area um it can be used like 
in conjunction with fertility treatment, uh, but right. no, not during stims and not during any um, medicated portion of the cycle too. We would right. do the treatment outside of that. But, uh, but let's talk about nurturing just for a bit, because this is kind of what started our original conversation. But, and I think we're both so similar with how we approach working with people, but learning how to nurture ourselves right and this mm -hmm. I think you do beautifully you've expressed it beautifully as well but um, helping women establish maintain and like restore connection to their bodies and through that discovering like potential like beyond what we ever thought right when we're yeah yeah I like love this um this idea of nourishment and nurturing our bodies, our bodies, our minds, our spirits, and like our whole being. I think when we're talking about the fertility journey, this is a really important thing to think about of like the various ways we can nourish ourselves and bring energy back to ourselves. And after all, I did name my um, practice embody physical mm -hmm. therapy and wellness because something I saw so frequently in my, in my, work as a PT prior to this is there's so much disconnection from our bodies and you know a lot of the decisions we make come from this place of restriction or scarcity rather than abundance and nourishment and so um I just think it's really really important from a nutrition perspective how can we nourish mm -hmm. ourselves from a movement perspective how can we nourish ourselves from a mindset um and Social. you know the, yeah. exactly the things we tell ourselves the environments we place ourselves in mm -hmm. um all of those things all of those areas are ways to nourish ourselves and sometimes nourishment looks like saying no and stepping back and taking away things rather than adding things you know in yeah. in the wellness movement and wellness industry we think of this like nourishment and nurturing ourselves as sometimes being I'm gonna wake up at 6 a.m I'm gonna drink my green juice I'm gonna drink my juiced cucumber mm -hmm. celery carrot ginger I'm gonna get outside and ground for 10 straight minutes and then mm -hmm. I'm going to meditate for an hour you know yeah. we think it has to be this regimented thing when mm -hmm. really nourishment can look like taking two minutes to do some deep breathing and to just quiet your mind drinking yes. that extra glass of water today mm -hmm. um it can be make, so simple yeah, so, yeah like just stopping and breathing right mm -hmm. and something I started doing I gave myself a 40-day challenge of sorts I was just like I just want to walk every day or like move my body Love every that. day not like yeah. not five times a week or three times a week because then I get lost and I forget what I did or whatever but I'm like just every day like I have a dog I have reason to go for a walk right like it doesn't have to be big it doesn't have to be crazy minimum 20 minutes that's it some days mm -hmm. will be longer some days will be shorter it has profoundly changed so much <laughs> like just my mental and emotional health just being outside being outdoors mm -hmm. moving my body connecting to the things I love like I love plants I love trees I love fresh yes. air I love mountains I love dirt I love dirt I don't know why but I <laughs> I love dirt earth, too <laughs> I'm an earthy person um but yeah like now I'm on like day 80 I just kept going I'm like why am I stopping right I but love that. Me, yeah that's what 
that's what I needed to nourish myself when I was going through just recently some like trying to figure out my own health issues. Yeah. I was just like, I got to do this for myself. Mm-hmm. And like, it's a non-negotiable, like in a way, like all my re- other responsibilities can wait 20 minutes. Like 100%. No, I have 20 minutes a day to move my legs and walk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, and that could be more complicated. It could be five minutes. It could be a walk around the block. Right. It's, it's choosing to nourish yourself, choosing what is going to make you feel your best day after day and, you know, not sacrificing that too. And, um, I absolutely love that you have done that too. What I run up against sometimes with women is that they set really high expectations for themselves and then they're met with shame and guilt when they feel like they they quote unquote fail. And shame and guilt have no place in a nourishing and a nourishment period. So I always chat through that with clients as well. But, you know, maybe we need to revisit the expectations. Is it is it reasonable to expect that you can work out for an hour, five days a week and, you know, not eat a single ounce of sugar ever, yeah. you know, let's set realistic expectations and um, let's make those small habits to just nourish ourselves a little bit better each and every day. Yeah, totally. Okay. So we're going to wrap things up. Um, usually I ask like if, there is one little piece of advice that you could give for our audience um, just to assist them in their fertility journeys. What would that be? Hmm. Surprise attack question. I've totally didn't I know. Ask you so I feel like I should give some like pelvic floor PT anecdote, but honestly, the thing that's I'm really feeling drawn to is just I think every single day, taking a moment of your day and saying some type of mantra, uh, like, I am enough, I am fertile, I have hope that this is going to work out, that is my takeaway. Because I think where things, when we lose hope, um, that can be really, really hard for our journey. And we just need to Mm -hmm. keep the hope, we need to keep this inner knowing that it is all going to be okay and work out however it unfolds. So, um, you know, giving yourself just one moment of affirmation or one thing that brings that hope into you and really embodying that and feeling it, that would be my takeaway. Beautiful. I love it. I love it. Okay. Well, I'm going to wrap things up. Thank you everybody for listening and spending your time with us. And we'll see you at the next episode. Maybe not see you. Talk to you (laughs) in the next episode. Okay. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Fringe Fertility. Remember to hit the follow button so you know when the next episode drops. Likes are also appreciated as this will allow others to be able to find the podcast and find more support on their fertility journeys. Thanks to you for your support, and I look forward to sharing more Fringe Fertility episodes with you in the future.